Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you got your Bibles, turn with me and we'll continue this series. Uh, Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. So, you know, Friday night, uh, Friday was a, a pretty nice day during the day, and then oh, around 6 o'clock we had some stuff start coming in, and all of a sudden my wife looks out and she goes, it's snowing. Well, Friday afternoon I put all the church's uh, cows that we have, and these are all second year, uh, at least second year uh, calvers, uh, put them all into the calving lot and put out some hay for them and everything because you know we have had one calf so far. You know, in the nice, beautiful weather where the, you know, you go out there and the little boogers just jumping and playing in the sunshine. And now we've got snow coming in. You got three guesses what we've been doing for the last 48 hours. Calvin. First, when Ty comes out Saturday morning and he sends me a text, he goes, we just had one. I was like, great. He goes, you got the coffee on? Well, yeah, come on in. So I do the night checks, and Ty does the morning. So he comes in, and uh, he says, we're going give to uh, give that little booger a little while. And we went back out there, and the poor thing, the mama hadn't even licked it off. It's standing there in the, in the freezing snow and shivering, and mama is trying to take another cow's calf from her and trying to get that calf to latch onto her. So I'm like, oh, great. So we pull on all of our boots, and we're going to move her to another set of pins, and we're still trying to get all the pin situation fixed out there. So we're going to take the cow and the calf and take them through my backyard and over to the set of pins. <laughs> Sounded like a great idea. So we open the gate, and we get them out, and Mama runs out the gate, has no clue where her calf is, doesn't even care, and circles around the trees to try to get back. Well, I wasn't sure how close the fence was to those trees all the way down, so I followed her, you know, through drifts about this high, and I get around there, and man, that's sticking way out. Uh, excuse me. Uh, so anyway, I get down there, and I'm following her, and I come around the trees that's blocking all of the north wind, and she's backing out. And so we nearly had a train wreck right there, got her going again, and, you know, I was kind of, Ty was kind of keeping the calf going, and I was trying to balance between keeping the cow going, keeping her from running off, and keeping her from circling the house, because that's what we were going to do, is just do this. While it's snowing sideways, 30-mile-an-hour wind, and so we're going, and I asked Ty, I said, is the gate open? He goes, no, I don't think so. So I run over there, and I open the gate, and I'm thinking, okay, This is going to be a wreck. We're never going to get this done because as soon as I have to keep her, I have to get on this side of the shop or she'll go on this side. But when I get on this side of the shop, as soon as she gets to the other side, she's just going to circle around. Well, I open the gate and I get over there and we start pushing her again. And I'm not even paying attention to what's going on. But about that time, Brent pulls up. And, I mean, he wasn't two minutes too early, and he wasn't one second too late. He jumps out of his truck, and he goes over there, and he stands on the other side of the shop. And just as soon as we go to round that corner, she's going to take off back to the cattle, and Brent is standing there like, hello. And she goes right in, and we get everything going. Everything is great. Mama takes the baby. Things 
are golden. So we go back in and we give them a little time to do a little bonding and we sat at my kitchen table, me and my wife and uh, Ty and Brent, and we sat there and drank a pot of coffee and lied to each other and, you know, told stories. And then we went back out there and filled up a water deal for them and got them some fresh water and cleaned out a water trough. And it's still just snowing with a 25 mile an hour wind snowing right sideways. And me and Brent and Ty stayed out there for about 45 minutes, standing by the water hydrant while the water fills up. Not everybody would understand that. And, you know, we, we didn't think about, oh, let's go in because it's too cold or anything like that because we, we don't, that's not who we are. We don't place, you know, we were out there with friends. We were taking care of cattle, you know, caring about other things other than our own personal comfort. You know what else is awesome? It was just me and Ty. Unfortunately, this cowboy culture that we live in, we don't ask for help very well. And the awesome thing is sometimes we don't have to because during a snowstorm, Brent calls Ty. I didn't know this at the time. Brent called Ty and said, hey, man, I know it's pretty rough out there and y'all are fixing to start cabin. Do you need anything? Man, thank God for cowboys that call in the middle of a blizzard and not just on a nice sunny afternoon to see if you want to go ride. Now, and that's not a criticism of anybody at all. But Brent, I thank you for, for, you know, he said, I just woke up and thought, you know what? I wonder if they need any help. And you know what? We needed help in the worst kind of way. I love that about cowboys. Most people wouldn't understand three cowboys who stood out in the snow and told stories. But a cowboy could understand that. That got me to thinking about five truths about understanding this culture. But it's not just about this culture. This culture is so amazing because it is applicable to whatever you want to do in life. It doesn't matter if you're a school teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a nurse. It doesn't matter if you, know, you work for the, for the county or, or whatever you do. These things are applicable. Five truths about understanding cowboys. Number one, he chose this lifestyle not for the money, but it, in his, it is in his nature to care for things. And isn't that what God tells us to do all the time, is to care about others, to love others. And that is a cowboy's nature, is, is to care for things that can't care for themselves. Number two, about understanding cowboys. He's not mad, he just looks mad, okay? He's not mad because you have to speak where cattle can understand and, you can only and they can only comprehend a maximum of four-letter words, okay? So it's not a sin if you, if you cuss around cattle, okay? <laughs> Only if ladies are present, all right? So <laughs> we said that last night because Ty's over there pushing on this cow, and this mama knocks him down, and uh, he had a talk with her. Real short talk, about four letters. Actually, it might have been five letters. He had a talk with her. He said, sorry. I was like, yes, what happens when you work with cattle? He never takes the easy way out. We don't take the easy way out. But you know what, another thing about cowboys? He's never too lazy to do a job right, but he's lazy enough to find a better way, to try to find a better way. And that, that kind of summarizes who they are. And they, they don't mind working all day long, but all day long they're thinking, is there an easier way to do this? And if a cowboy isn't, <laughs> one of the funniest things, and we kind of talked about this yesterday sitting around my, my uh, dining room table, is that anytime somebody new comes in, they think that they can do it better or a different way. Well, have y'all thought of trying... You know what? No, we haven't thought of that. 
We've been doing this for 35 years. Shut up. Of course we've thought of it. This is why we do it this way, because it's the best way. It may not be the easiest way, because sometimes doing it the easy way causes other problems later. Okay? Every single one of our jobs is like that. Five truths about understanding cowboys. Here's one of the hard ones. He loves you enough not to put up with your crap. That's the greatest love there is, isn't it? To have somebody you know loves you enough to give you the truth whether you like it or not or to be honest with you or, or maybe enough to push you. I, I, I know that I've pushed some of you in here to the point that you're like, oh, I hate that dude. Well, you can hate me for a little while, but, but I don't push y'all to grow because I dislike you. I want you to be uncomfortable. I push you because I want you to grow. People, I, I, I surround myself with cowboys that will push me to be better. That's the greatest love there is. And as tough as cowboys are, there is a ton of love that runs through everything we do. Doesn't matter if we're uh, working cattle and, and caring for cows or horses or, or we're hanging out with each other. We're always pushing each other to be better. Five truths about understanding cowboys. And here's something that I'm learning. At the apex of his trade... He will understand that true power comes from being free. Free from the need to compare his stock, his skills, or his journey to someone else. Think about that. Isn't that what freedom is? Free from the need to compare his stock, his skills, or his journey to someone else. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. You are unique. God made you that way, so why in the world would you even think of comparing yourself to somebody else. And you know what? My skills aren't what ties are. But I got skills. I got mad skills. Now, not angry skills, okay? Just, that's a colloquialism. I'm using a lot of big words. I just want y'all to know that today. Must be the barometric pressure or something. At the apex of his trade, he will understand that true power comes from being free. Free from the need to compare his stock, his skills, or his journey to someone else. Free from worries about things he cannot control. One of the wisest things I have heard in years came from my son. The other day, my wife comes in and she goes, you'll never believe what Griffin said. I said, what? She asked him, she said, you seem to be better because you're not throwing a fit and we don't have to drag you out to the car on your face to go to school. My word's not theirs. And he goes, yeah. She goes, well, are you getting better with going to school? He goes, no. He said, I just figured out and I heard the other day that when you worry about things that you can't control... You punish yourself twice. Boy, isn't that the truth? When you worry about things that you can't control, you punish yourself twice. You're getting punished because you don't want to do it in the first place. And then you punish yourself again for worrying about something that you have no control over. A cowboy is free from worries about things that he cannot control. You know what? We can't control the weather. We can't control when a blizzard comes or when a cow calves. I mean, and, you know, I know that there's, well, you can do this and you can do that. Shut up, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. We can't control how hot it gets. We can't, you know, we can put water on the grass, but we can't make nothing grow. How much of our lives do we worry about things that we have absolutely zero control over? And finally, at the apex of his trade, he will understand that true power comes from being free. Free from the anxiety about how others label him. Five years ago, a good friend of mine, Dale Oker, invited me to my first brand and gave me my first opportunity up here, nearly six years ago. And I'd never drug calves before. I'd flanked 300,000. But in the grand scheme of things, I, I was not 
I was always the youngest no matter where I went. Seems like I was always the youngest no matter how old I got. And the young guys always flanked. And so he gave me my first opportunity. And I remember that first time I went out there, I was so worried sick because this was not, you, you want to you gather wild cattle out of the brush? Call Kevin. You want him to drag a, a, a little baby calf to the fire? Have him flank it. Don't have him rope it. You'll be there all day. That day, I roped one. I got one drug to the fire. And now, six years later, with the opportunities that him and other ranchers have given me, I can do pretty good. Although, when at the branding not uh, the other day, uh, a little over a week ago, um, I got in there, and it was my first branding of the year, and I didn't start out very, very good. You know, I got in there, and, uh, you know, some of the, some of the cow, <laughs> quite a few, a majority of the cowboys that I really looked up to were there. Even some cowboys that I had never worked with that, that I kind of idolize a little bit were there. And I got in there, and I bet I missed my first six or seven loops. While everybody else is picking up two and going to, the, going to the fire, I'm just like, I'm just warming up. I'm just warming up. And finally, I just laughed because I knew I could do it. And you know what? I wasn't worried about anybody labeling me because I knew what I was capable of. And everybody gets into one of these slumps. I finally got hot and kept going to the fire, and I looked, and another cowboy in there spent about 10 minutes catching one foot. It happens to the best of us. But we don't worry or have anxiety about how others might label us because we are confident in who we are. We may want our skills to improve or whatever, and we should all want that, but we don't let others define us. And I don't let other people define me as a cowboy or as a man anymore because my identity is not even in being a cowboy. My identity is in my relationship with God. And you know what? He loves me more than life itself. You know how I know that? Because he gave his one and only son to die in our place. So that when anyone is transformed by that knowledge, they will have eternal life. I am defined by how much God loves me. Not even how much I love God, but how much He loves me. And that because He loves me, I have become a son of God. That I have been adopted. And when that good book was written, there was something about being adopted. You could give your own kids up, but if you were adopted, it was for life. You could not give away a kid that had been adopted. So when God adopted us into his house, he said, you are mine and you are mine forever. That's where my identity comes from. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul says this, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. There is true power just sitting there waiting on you. And what it is, is you just have to try to understand how much God really loves you. Uh, you know, late, later on in this paragraph, we won't get into today, but later on in this paragraph, Paul says that we will never be able to fully understand that. But Paul is saying here that there is power in understanding just how much God loves you. Five truths about understanding how much God loves you. We need to understand that through his love, he chose us. You don't choose God. He chooses you. 
You know, it's not like, and I've all, I always kind of have to make metaphors and similes and illustrations so that I can wrap my head around concepts. Listen, everybody's been in PE where they pick teams, and what's your worst fear? That you're going to be chosen last, right? Luckily, I never had to do that. I was always picked next to last. But you know what? You don't have to worry about being chose last because when God walks in, he looks right at you and says, I choose you first. You are the very first thing that he chooses. He loves you so much that he chose you. He's not up there going. He's not some old man sitting up there going, well, let's see if he chooses me. No, he, he, you are here today. You are hearing this today because deep inside your soul, you, there's this yearning inside of you that knows that God chose you because of his love. He says, I want to be with you. I choose you. In John 15, 16, Jesus says this, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. Power, right there. He, he didn't choose you. I mean, you didn't choose him. He chose you, and with that, he says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. John 15, 16. The second thing that we need to understand about God's love, we need to understand that you ain't gonna make God mad. See, being mad isn't in his repertoire for his kids. Now, he may discipline you. He may discipline you. But he's not going to make you mad. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? God's not mad at you. And I think that a lot of times we live with this condemnation that, that our past or something that we did today or some thoughts that we're having or, or some addictions that we're fighting that somehow if we don't act just right that God is mad at us and he is not mad at you whatsoever. Think about the, the uh, parable of the prodigal son. A guy goes out. Uh, a kid goes to his dad and says, I want my inheritance now, which is just a slap in the face. Because he's saying, I don't really care about you. I wish you were dead so that I could have your stuff. He says, I want my inheritance now. And the dad gives it to him. And then he goes and, and wastes it on wild living and ends up in a pig pen. And finally decides that he's going to come crawling back and just try to be a servant in his father's household. And before he can even spill the beans about wanting to be a servant, whenever he comes back, his dad sees him. And his dad doesn't wait by the window like this to hear what kind of excuses he's going to have. His dad yells, bring a robe, bring a ring, bring some shoes. And he runs out there and he embraces his son and says I, he doesn't even ask what he's done he doesn't ask him to say well I want to hear your apology for the way you acted no he throws a robe around him and shoes on his feet and a ring on his finger and says go butcher the fatted calf for my son has come home God is not mad at you no matter what your situation he is waiting on you he loves you he is looking out that window waiting for you to come home. We need to understand, number three, that his love never takes the easy way out. His love never takes the easy way out. Listen, this is going to be hard. God is not going to blow smoke at you. Nice way of putting that. 
God is not going to blow smoke. He's not going to tell you something just so you feel better. Okay? He's not going to tell you something just so you feel better. You know what? God is really not that concerned with your emotions and how you feel about his truth and his love because they are perfect. And just because we don't like to hear what God has to say to us doesn't mean that it is not good and it is not perfect because what God tells us to do is always good and perfect and usually scary. He will encourage us to get better. He will encourage us to grow. And I know that some of you are out there and listening to this and thinking, you know, I've told God that I was going to read my Bible or that I was going to start giving or I was going to start praying more or I was going to start spending less time on my darn darn phone and more time with, with my darn kids, you know? And then we haven't been doing that. And so it's been weighing on us every time we get on that phone. Or every time we decide to do something else, instead of being with him, and it starts weighing on us, God is going to put pressure on you till you yield to that pressure and get close to him. And I think every single one of us have that area that we are thinking about right now that we know we should be doing, and we are not doing it, and we're thinking that we can cover up that with something else. And you say, yeah, but God, I did this. And he goes, well, that's good. When are you going to do what you said you were going to do? When are you going to do what I ask you to do? He's not going to lend up on the pressure just so you feel better. In Proverbs 3, 11 through 13, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. He loves you. Oh, he loves you. He loves you enough not to give you the easy way out. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, as a father the son he delights in. He ain't going to spend the time working on you if he don't care about you. He's not. You know, I had somebody tell me one time, I was was not doing what I was supposed to do. And the worst thing in the world they told me is they walked up to me and they said, you're better than this. And they turned around and walked off. Is there anything more that can make you hang your head than the fact that you know they're right? And they do too. You're better than this. The Lord disciplines Those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom and those who gain understanding. Knowing that where God is pushing you to is a little scary because it's out of your comfort zone and he wants what's good and best for you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for evil. Plans for prosper. But you ain't going to get any of that stuff while you are living in your comfort zone and wanting everybody to be nice to you. God's not in the business of being nice to you. He's in the business of growing you and leading you towards him. Number four, we need to understand that his love is not based on our performance. Thank you, God. You know, there there was a study done where they invited these people in. And in this, they put them in this room... With all these toggles, levers, I kind of envisioned, when I was reading it, I kind of envisioned, uh, you know, mission control at NASA, right? Just all sorts of levers and toggles and switches and on and off and red buttons and everything. And they said, we're not going to give you any instructions. We want to see your problem-solving skills and see if you get it right, we're going to, there's going to be a buzzer that goes off. So they went in there and, you know, they kind of, hit this button and nothing happened and then they hit this button and you know they, they start trying stuff and eventually there, there was uh, a buzzer went off and they're like oh 
I got something right. So they think, what did I just do? So they would do that, and it, and it wouldn't happen again. So they'd kind of back up, and they'd do something else, and they would keep try, you know, working with that sequence, and then suddenly it'd go off again. Like, yeah, I'm doing good. And they spent 30 minutes doing this, and most of the people came out sweating and proud of themselves because they got to like, they got like 30 buzzes. One, well, the funny thing about that was this. It was all random. The buzzers were. There was no sequence. But people had got it in their mind that there was a sequence of events that led up to the buzzer. Everybody's buzzer went off at the exact same time, and everybody got 30 buzzes. No matter what you did, but they came out convinced. One lady was convinced that she had to stand on the chair, hold her left leg up, and tap on the ceiling to make the buzzer go off, and she was exhausted by the time she got out. That's how programmed we are. But you know what? God's love is not programmed based upon what we can do in a room. His love is based on His character, not our performance. His love is based upon His character. His love for us is based on His character, not our performance. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul says, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. You are not going to be going through your lives, and religion has taught us that if we do this sequence of events, that God will love us more. He is incapable of loving you more because he loves you totally right now. And yet when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love is not based upon your performance. His love is not based upon how much you read your Bible or how many times you go to church or how many times you do anything. You cannot make God love you any more than he loves you right now. But what we can do is understand his love more and more. And we do that through prayer, through reading the Bible, by hanging out with like-minded Christians, by going out and talking about how much you're learning about Jesus and helping other people and growing. You know, our greatest, Ty said it one time, one of the greatest things I've ever heard. He said, your greatest ministry is your attitude. Couldn't we all work on that the rest of our lives? Your greatest ministry is your attitude. We need to understand that God's love is not based upon our performance. You can't make God love you any more than letting his son die for you, people. And when we truly start thinking and we start understanding and we start meditating and praying and asking God to reveal to us just how much he loves us, then we start to grow and we start to become more powerful. And when we understand that when God is for us, who can stand against us, we become powerful for his glory, not ours. And the last thing, we need to understand that his love frees us from fear worry, and anxiety. We need to understand that his love frees us from fear, worry, and anxiety. 1 John 4.18 says this, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. I will remember your sins no more is what God says. You will not be punished. Why? Because God allowed his son to be punished in your place. God loves you with an unending, everlasting love. And when you truly remind yourself through prayer, through reading your Bible, of, of underlining all, everything while you're reading, you know, people say, I don't understand it because you're not looking at it. Go, you want to do a Bible study? Go home and start in the New Testament. Maybe start with John and underline every part where you can see in some form of God's love. Underline that and you'll start understanding that Bible because that entire book reveals just 
how much God loves you. And when you come to understand that more and more and more, you will quit worrying about all these other things. When you know that God loves you more than the birds in the air and the flowers in the fields, yet He clothes the flowers and feeds the birds, how much more does He care for you? You'll quit worrying about all this materialistic stuff that, that we spend most of our time wanting for and yearning for when what we should want is a closer relationship with Him. And the only way to do that is through His Son, who is the ultimate example of God's love for us. That is it. You have been searching your entire lives for what will fulfill you and the only thing that can fill that empty spot in your soul. There's no alcohol that can do it. There's no, uh, there's no belt buckles that can do it. There's no, there's no bank account that can do it. There's no house that can do it. The only thing that will fulfill your life is understanding God's love. True power comes from trusting in God Learn to trust Him, especially in the bad times. I know some of you are going through things that nobody has any idea of at least the magnitude of what you are feeling, of what you worry about, what you think about when you get in the car and when you lay down at night and you act like you're asleep, but those thoughts are running through your head. God knows. And He wants you to trust in Him, totally trust in Him. Waves of life come at us from all sides. The winds threaten to blow us down. Having calves and four-foot snowdrifts. Ain't no thing, man. God's in charge, not me. I just follow him. And if he leads me into a four-foot snowbank to care for a little baby calf, what an amazing job he has called me to. What is he calling you to? He's calling you to trust in him and to understand how much he loves you. As a matter of fact, a lot of you have been wanting to grow and you feel like you've plateaued a little bit. The reason you've plateaued is because you need to learn to trust him more and understand how much he loves you more because you won't be able to take that next step until you've got that firm, that firm, <laughs> firm, solid, firm, solid foundation. With that, let's go to God in prayer. God, we trust you with all of our lives, our work, our relationships, our finances, our provisions, our hopes, and our dreams. Thank you, God, for loving us and giving us the power to conquer fear, live abundantly, and do that through your son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.